We have seen the PID control in the cast vote records across the country. And voters want examination of those records in their respective counties. Despite federal law requiring production of this vital record, clerks across the country are refusing to produce them to the public. In some cases, the records are being tampered with or destroyed. But another source of data has emerged proving the use of a PID control. And the algorithm is seen in all 50 states. Election night reporting data from a company known as Seidel. Look at Trump and divide his votes by Biden's votes. You have a Trump to Biden ratio. And when you do this, a pitcher will leap out at you. Think of your thermostat. You want to set your temperature in your house to 70 degrees. So you crank, you crank that furnace. So look, it's going to get to that set point. And what happens is over time, it reaches the set point. It's got to make a correction and come back. It's got to stay at 70 degrees. So you, you can actually hear your air condition come on and off, right? Now let's look at elections. This is the Trump to Biden ratio when we're looking at election night in Georgia. What you need to know here is that that set point means victory for Biden. If Trump gets above it, he wins. But if it comes back to that set point, he loses. So we see Biden vote injections. And then we see an impossible arrangement of data throughout election night. So what's going on right here is to maintain this set point. Just like you want to maintain that 70 degrees in your home, they have to have 50-50 ratios. So when you have a, a, a batch of votes that come in from election night reporting, guess what the ratio was? 50-50. But we got to keep it there. We got to maintain the set point. So the next batch of votes comes in, it's 50-50. 50-50. 50-50. How many batch sets in a row do you think happen in Georgia? 55 batch sets in a row at 50-50 to maintain that flat line to bring it in. Wow. But over time, you need to drive down with greater precision to make sure that you definitely get the, the, the set point. And so what happens is over time, we saw over 90 batch sets of votes where Trump got 49.9% versus 50.1% from Biden. Wow. In a row, over 90 reports from this sidle data that we were able to monitor in a row. Folks, you can't you can't out-cheat or out-vote the machines. It's gonna find its set point. It's pretty horrific. Would we all agree that elections are supposed to be additive processes? So each interval report, you would expect to see more votes, not deletions. More votes, not deletions. Well, look at this real-time video of the Edison reports. You got total votes at the top, you got in-person votes and then only have mail-in votes. And look how it pauses and there's oscillation and deletions. This is the algorithm trying to figure out the math problem that is you. And if I let this video play to its completion, you'll find out it wasn't just Pennsylvania. We've got three counties in North Carolina. We've got three counties in Georgia. And guess what? In Georgia, we know for a fact that Seidel directly contracts with the state to get that data. So you should not see any deletions. You should see no oscillation. Once they've put everything on the internet, cloud-based software, 
um, and the canvas is complete, they take that USB drive, which has read-write capability, and they put it back in their county EMS computer. Our Secretary of State calls this protecting the air gap because there's that gap, right? You use the USB to move the data over. But this is the opposite of protecting an air gap. By using a USB that other people have handled that isn't actually secure, and you're downloading data onto a computer that supposedly holds the official, official election results, it's just a, it's a farce. All right, so he just handed me a USB drive. Okay, I'm just gonna do this really quick. You're gonna lose my audio here for a minute. So here's my hand, right? Plugging it in. So he just plugged in the USB drive. I'll keep my hands up here off yep. the keyboard. And I'll keep my hands up here. Watch the screen. So this is running another backdoor utility, a second one that is on the voting system, pre-installed. It actually just ran some database commands using that second backdoor utility that's on the system. And now I'm going to press the execute button. Okay. So I'm clicking my mouse. And go. notice that the elections flipped again. So Biden now has 31 and Trump has 56, the way it was originally. If a election worker wants to tell me that our machines are not hooked up to the internet, it's stored away behind a locked door, it's placed there under armed guard, and there's no chip modem devices, then I can concede for the sake of argument that perhaps that machine wasn't hacked. And that could be the truth. But if I get a cast vote record cast vote record summary from those tabulators and I see an impossible arrangement of votes that tells me that it was subverted a different way because it was subverted. So pick your poison. Was it because a vendor subverted your election file? Or are you using a reconciliation process with integrated software that is backfilled and overwritten your data? We shouldn't have to listen to a bunch of election deniers. Look, here's a story about this professor. Uh, the trusted Washington Post says he spreads myths. He's a myth spreader uh, right here in print, in the news. Since when do we not trust the news? Heinrich or Eric, whatever your name is, I'm glad you wanted to discuss my credibility because there's a witness that overheard you during a meeting leading up to the 2020 election. His name is Joe Oltman a tech CEO and system architect expert. Eric Coomer is the director of strategy and security for Dominion Voting Systems. He is a shareholder. He does own the patents for adjudication. Now keep in mind, I had no idea that Dominion ran 50% of the vote of the American people. Now I wasn't looking for Eric Coomer. I wasn't looking for Dominion, but God was. So then this kid came to me from Antifa and I became the number one target for Antifa. They hated me. But then the next time we had a meeting, he showed up and he's like, listen, he's like, well, I can get you on a call. All those guys that are journalists out there, they're actually not journalists, they're Antifa activists. That's how we got to the call and him saying that, hey, don't worry about it, Trump's not gonna win, I made sure of it. That was in September of 2020, before the election. It seemed impossible. Like how could someone be that evil, right? It's got a, a Church of Satan, the Screaming Pope, uh, tattoo on his arm. He wrote a story about how he raped, abused his wife at the time and then published it with the email address. 
He posted the Antifa manifesto on his Facebook page. He posted things like that were anti-police, anti-Trump, anti-American rhetoric, put up stuff like F the USA, kill pigs. This guy is responsible for 50% of the vote of the American people. I don't have to listen to this garbage. So I had a little accident down there, huh? No. Okay, there are tons of witnesses down there described you to a team. So you can either be honest about it or you can stick to your story. Not sure what you're asking about. I've been under a lot of stress. Um, I hit the building and I panicked. Okay. Now for Mr. Palos's last claim. That's Faustos, as in Faustian bargain. Right, Faustos. Earl, play the next video. The notion that we use a decentralized system with a multitude of vendors that impose various checks and balances on one another, like grinding gears, is unfortunately a myth. The election system is actually more like the Ferris wheel Heinrich nearly crashed into. Elegant, streamlined, and interconnected. And there are three things that power the election system. Albert sensors, FirstNet, and integrated software. All 50 states have entered into agreements with the Center for Internet Security, a private organization with virtually no oversight that has partnered with the Department of Homeland Security to deploy Albert sensors. These are computers that reside behind county and precinct firewalls under the auspices of protecting state elections from cyber threats. The agreements provide CIS with everything needed to monitor all aspects of elections real time. Second, AT&T's FirstNet cellular network, along with other telecom giants, provide direct connections for that monitoring behind those same county and precinct firewalls. Those direct connections exploded across the United States after Barack Obama's administration designated elections as part of the nation's critical infrastructure. Which leads me to the third thing that powers the Ferris wheel of integration. Third-party corporate vendors utilizing all-inclusive software connected to the internet that can modify or change all the election data that the Albert sensors and FirstNet allow you to monitor. The big players are BPRO, Knowing, 10X, VR Systems, Electionware, and several others. But don't let the different names and logos fool you. They all share similar functional capabilities. Here is how the election rigging process works. First, money is donated to campaigns and political action committees, non-governmental organizations. However, investigators are also finding money subsidized off the backs of the taxpayer being funneled overseas through entities like FTX, only to be laundered back to political campaigns through unwitting U.S. citizens whose personal identifying information is stolen to accomplish the laundering operation. The next module every integrated software provider has direct access to is voter registration. Voter rolls are inflated at strategic times and act like a credit line to the swamp candidates. During the early voting period, and even on election day, metrics are provided through the integrated software's absentee ballot tracking and the e-pollbook modules. 
With this information, adjustments inflating the voter rolls is happening right before elections. Ballots can be printed and even pre-filled ahead of time, many of which are produced out of thin air or picked up at NGO headquarters by ballot mules. The mules will strategically deliver illegal, fraudulent ballots to drop boxes paid for by Mark Zuckerberg, most of which have no surveillance cameras. Election workers retrieve the ballots from the drop boxes and run them through the tabulators. In the event that voter turnout wildly exceeds the predictions or modeling of bad actors, the tabulators can be hacked or the integrated software used in the states can simply overwrite the tabulated results. To accomplish the needed correction, state election officials will be told to stop counting. The election reporting system will be rebooted to create new set points. Once losing candidates will emerge victorious. And during the dark hours of the night, and in the days following the election, fraudulent ballots will be brought in until they more or less match the digital manipulation. Delayed reporting of the official results will now be asserted as the new normal. Now you might be saying, nice theory. Do you have proof? Well, let's take it from the top. Remember the campaign finance module and claims of money laundering? Let's start there. PC data shows that some senior citizens across the U.S. have been donating thousands of times per year. Some of these individuals' names and addresses are attached to over $200,000 in contributions. You've had occasion to do some investigation that many of us have seen, uh, thanks to James O'Keefe. We started looking at the donations that were coming in to the different campaigns and the different candidates. The FEC records indicate that you donated $32,000, 3,000 different contributions people made at this address in your name. Are you aware of that? No, stop with me. Oh. It is fragmented so that it falls below large donation values that are usually more scrutinized. And the bizarre nature of these donations caught our attention. Sometimes twice per day going to so many different campaigns, upwards of 800 different campaigns, and many of them not in their own states. You did donate to AdBlue, right? Yes, uh, once in a while I donate five or, or so dollars or something like that during election year. What about $18,850? I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> not that many donations? No, I don't think so. You're listed as someone who's given um, over 31,000 individual contributions to, to various causes for a total of $230,000 using your name in this address. No, that's, that's not us. 18,672 different contributions that total an amount of $170,221. No, 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 no. And it's almost as if you need some sort of software, some sort of structure in place to be able to even understand the way that everything is going on. Usually, there is a vestige of, yeah, I did donate to ActBlue, like, once, or yeah, I've done it a couple times. So I, I think that that really uh, corroborates what you're saying, Peter. On October 9, 2021, we had this particular Smurf unwittingly uh, show that there's 183 transactions 
uh, in this person's name for over $4,000 on that particular day. But the bigger picture, I think, is when you look at the pattern on the chart over time, and you can see again that is not human behavior. This is a computer algorithm that's spreading up or divvying up, you know, whether it's five, 10, $50 million amongst tens of thousands of Smurfs across the country. The next module every integrated software provider has direct access to is voter registration. The most startling thing was is that was the primary of uh, 2022. We, we started in June and we were getting daily updates because that, that list of people that request mail-in ballots, for example, gets updated on a daily basis. And as we're finding, going through this list of addresses, a road jumps out at me because it was local to my town called Red Belly Road. I looked at it, it just jumped off the page at me. I went and looked at Zillow, couldn't find it. Couldn't find it in Google, couldn't find it in, in any of the tax appraiser records. And then we were like, what's going on here? Where, where'd this road come from? So we went and looked to see who was currently at that road, because we had the current voter rolls, and we noticed that 37 people at that month, in that month that we were looking at, lo and behold, everything came back as 12th Street. And then when we looked up 12th Street, very, all these people existed. Their, their deeds matched, the addresses matched, everything was in Google, everything. So it was like, okay, how did these people go from 12th Street now to a fake address? And out of those 37 people, five of them requested a mail-in ballot. As we're looking through this, we get the new disc for August. We check the new disc again for these same voter IDs. Now everybody's been switched back to 12th Street. So if you're following the timeline, they were 12th Street in the 2020 election, they switched to uh, Red Belly Road somewhere around June. They requested five mail-in ballots that showed delivered. Why on earth would they show these ballots as being delivered to a fictitious address? And then right in time for the official results of the election, they were switched back to 12th Street. We always thought that the voter rolls were static, kind of like a piece of sheet of paper that you're just appending new records. We didn't think that older records were being manipulated in real time during the election. That example of Red Belly Road was what we call an address flipper. That in our mind is identity theft because we actually went and had affidavits on everybody on that street right after the election. No one knew what we were talking about. No one asked for their address to be changed. And more importantly, nobody on that street asked for a mail-in ballot. So the other ones that we saw was the in insertions. Insertions was basically you would see somebody that was previously marked inactive in another county they would be reactivated and slipped into a new county. And sometimes their birth date would change, sometimes their name would change. And in most cases, their party changed. So we, we, we were seeing them slip these new people into new counties. And then per the supervisor election, if they're looking at that person, they would just think that this is a new person that just moved into the state. They had no idea that they were previously marked inactive in another county. And then the last one is probably the, the most troubling is deletions. For example, Palm Beach County, had 53,000 people removed from the voter rolls for a month, and then they came back in December. So they were just deleted for one month, and then the next disk that we got, they were put back. And this was Trump's county during the election. I am to believe that you passed in a mail-in ballot in October, and you were deleted in November from the voter rolls? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. So the first pattern I looked at is our, our Secretary of State publishes how many people are registered in every county and every precinct on a monthly basis. So I started by plotting that and I found that all of the counties would change by approximately the same percentage every month. This enormous buildup in 
registrations in every county and they're all going together in unison, all 33 of them. And then I plotted how many people were being registered by day for each county. They had this perfect weekly repeating pattern. So I just knew that isn't real, that you cannot have eight people show up every Tuesday in Doniana County to register and you know six of them are going to be Democrats and one will be a Republican and one will be a declined state. That's just not how people do things, especially not in 2020 when everything was shut down. If you think about like a dashboard where you can watch a vote happening in real time, somebody could sit there and easily figure out, okay, my candidate needs to have X amount of votes. I have all of the things I need to fabricate that. I have all the vote rolls, I have all the mail-in ballot rolls that I can clearly just turn on, fabricate whatever result I need, and then that is essentially given as the official tabulated result, basically from their website. Now for the absentee ballot tracking module that provides the metrics needed to create fraudulent ballots. Here, Jesse Morgan, a subcontractor with the U.S. Postal Service, describes what he found. I know I saw ballots with return addresses filled out, thousands of them, thousands, loaded onto my trailer in New York and headed for Pennsylvania. I got to thinking and wondered why I was driving complete ballots from New York to Pennsylvania. In total, I saw 24 Gaylords or large cardboard containers of ballots loaded into my trailer. They were complete ballots. Jesse's observations took place on October 25th, 2020, during early voting. Because bad actors could monitor the number of ballots coming in through ballot tracking software, teams across state lines could easily produce hundreds of thousands of fraudulent ballots and inject them into Pennsylvania's elections, affecting the outcome. Now, tracking absentee ballots during early voting is all well and good, but what if a bad actor needs to make last-minute adjustments on election day? Here's where the electronic poll books come in. We've already seen commands to check in voters that were not physically present. We're sitting here. We're doing nothing. And our numbers are But how did they vote? Here's an example of a poll worker filling out ballots while an election was ongoing. The process is simple. Track who's shown up, check real voters in digitally who have not shown up, and then create and fill out a ballot to match the digital subversion. This lady is marking the ballots. I filmed her a half hour ago doing six, and she's still working at it. Uh, let's stamp it, received, and let's fill in our six blanks. All at the top of the tickets on each one. One, two, three, four, five, six. And there's a security guard right there who's watching her. Disgusting. We've already addressed the Cassville records and the subversion of tabulators that led to an impossible arrangement of votes. Just no integrated software such as TotalVote allows bad actors to overwrite tabulated results once they are transmitted from the county on their internet-connected election management systems. But what about real voter turnout, wildly exceeding the bad actors' predictive modeling and the algorithms used? What then? 
election officials will instruct workers to stop counting, and the media will begin to shape public perception. Election workers in Allegheny County are back to work after pausing counting overnight. Butler County had to press pause on counting ballots. Nevada, meanwhile, has stopped counting votes until 9 a.m. on Thursday. Good morning, Heather. They did have to press pause overnight. They will be back in a few short hours, expected to resume counting around 8.30 this morning. Fulton County is now going to stop counting at 10.30 p.m. and will resume their count at uh, tomorrow morning. They basically stopped counting tonight. They're going to start counting again in a few hours. It's already tomorrow morning, right? Here's where it gets really bizarre. At Fulton County, most populous county, it is Atlanta. They just stopped counting at 10.30 p.m. They stopped counting their absentee ballots. They said they'd pick it up in the morning. So everyone stopped counting. Now it's time to reboot, create new set points, and gather ballots in the dark of night while observers are sent home to again match the digital subversion. Uh, this thing where we've got on election night, we look at the cumulative votes of competing candidates. This is Trump versus Biden. Now, you'll see here the winning candidate at some point is Trump, and he's winning handedly in Wisconsin. And then all of a sudden, you see this massive injection for the losing candidate. That would be Biden. This is what has become uh, known as the F curve or the fraud curve. And it's become meme worthy. This is basically the banner. This is the flag that, that is flown by all the fraudsters out there. We saw the same F curve in all of the swing states. I told them how the Georgia runoff election for the two senators was going to go. I gave them the model. Republicans are winning. Guess what happened? System went down, came back up, and it flipped. I went to Washington, D.C. on January 4th, 2021, and I met with counsel for Pompeo. How much surprise do you think was on his face? None. Movie Freeman, about, about early in the morning, when the woman took the, you know, when the whole gang took the stuff out of the, from under the table, right? For some reason, they put it in three times, each ballot, and I don't know why. All right, so what we're looking at here are, um, are two different batches of votes. Scanner 5162, batch 234, image 59, and scanner 5162, Back to 235, image 19. And what you can see is that, like on this vote right here, we've got this exact same little tail. Here's the next one that shows, you can see Republican is written there, Republican's written there. This is um, ballot 61, this is ballot number two, and then each one of them even has this little dot in the Fannie Willis. Okay, and do you have more of those? We have the entire batch. I've got, there's 62 images in here total, and I didn't even get a chance to go through all of them. Do you know, that those, do you know who those ballots, do you know who they were made out to? Do you know who they were voting for? No, not specifically. Did you ever check? We, we, we did what I described to you earlier. No, 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 did you ever check the ballots that were scammed by Ruby Freeman, known a known uh, political operative uh, balloteer. Did you ever check who those votes were for? We looked into that situation that you described. No, they were 100% for Biden. 100%. There wasn't a Trump vote in the whole group. They also create phony ballots, and that's a real problem. That's my opinion. But they create a lot of phony ballots. All that's left in the cheat is to now delay reporting 
with the media creating a new perception, namely that it is perfectly reasonable to get results days and days after an election was held. Polls have closed. We should get our first batch of voting numbers in about an hour. That'll be the bulk of the early vote. That should favor Democrats. As the night goes on, we'll get numbers from today's vote. That should favor Republicans. If these races are really as close as people think, we may not be able to even guess who won until we know how many votes were actually cast. So we know how many votes were actually cast. Report card from the audience, fail. This is quite sad, quite sad indeed. This audience appears to be one big election denying group of conspiracy theorists. The truth remains, however, that not one court has ruled in favor of any of these election fraud conspiracies. Um, moreover, uh, we've paid independent testing uh, agencies to refute everything. Um, the professor's experts have said, and finally, laws are on the books to protect the public from election fraud. Bold talk, Mr. Faustus. Professor, your response. And the 65 Project stands for the 65 cases that were filed that the radical left deemed to be without merit. And all of them were dismissed. But it's now an lie. There are about 90 lawsuits that you can actually find that were filed either by Trump, the RNC, or the GOP. There were 30 that were set for merits hearings. Out of the 30, Trump, the RNC, and the GOP prevailed in 22 out of those 30 cases. The top five vendors of voting systems in the United States are using computers and components that are manufactured overseas. For the most part, they're manufactured in the People's Republic of China. In China, in particular, they advance persistent threats. Some of them are massive organizations. I'm, I'm talking about organizations with 12,000 or more people. They have whole campuses. They're larger than, you know, many U.S. universities, larger than many U.S. defense organizations. And they are solely focused on the exploitation and penetration and infiltration of U.S. and Western technology. We've had numerous supply chain compromises of critical national security systems in the last eight years. Not one time has the Election Assistance Commission put out any kind of a warning. They still have not warned all the election officials, nor the public, nor notified Congress that these issues were happening. Instead, they have allowed us to use them in election after election, certifying the elections, and they pretended everything was okay. The Threat System Management Office basically simulates threat. We basically play bad guy. I went and talked to, um, at the time it was Wiley Labs, they said, hey, we want you to do an independent assessment of our testing procedures that we have and evaluate it. So they said, we're going to provide your report up to the EAC to show that, that you've assessed us and where we stand and all that. So in order to do that, I, of course, first have to see, well, what are you testing to? What are the standards, the requirements? The very first thing I found is the VVSGs were inadequate. I always refer to them as they weren't standards, they were substandard because they are not sufficient. These are systems that if you were looking at an overall industry organization, these would be your critical systems, just like the ones that process your credit card payments. After I've hacked into a system, I write the report. I would say for your normal, what's referred to as a kitty scripter, 
which knows about hacking tools and knows how to use some of the tools, but has no basic knowledge of systems really well. And this is people who can just watch a few YouTubes on Kali Linux or something like that and get into these systems. On a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the most difficult, how easy is it to hack into these systems? So as foreign adversaries, you're talking about advanced persistent threat level players. So can I go to a 0.5 instead of a one as the lowest, since that's not a zero? When you do the financials for a major corporation, what an auditor does is what they do is they go in and they look at the systems and there's a lot of work that's done there. You gotta got make sure there's no gaps, no way that this system is gonna come up and generate the wrong number. Across the country, when you've got a, a systems that are in use in, this, in these elections and you can't look at them, we do, can't even have access to them. I mean, it, it's, it's beyond belief. Any of those things in front of a board, they'd say to the management, the CEO, get it fixed, get it fixed right now, and, 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 and that's it. It's not, a, it's not an if, it needs to be fixed right now. And if there's a system that bad, get rid of it. We don't want it. If, there's, if you don't have support for the numbers, find it or make the adjustments. You're putting us at huge risk here. And, and the same with the processes. If you've got processes where people are able to do things behind closed doors and you're not letting the auditor see that, that needs to be addressed right now. Who's gonna be fired? That's, that's the way it is. And so when you compare that to this election of 2020, absolutely it was stolen because it never should have been certified. What I'm saying is nobody's following the federal law, including the vendors. There's really three laws that apply. There's the National Voter Registration Act, there's the Help America Vote Act, and now there's FISMA, which is the Federal Information Security Management Act, that applies because it was declared as critical national infrastructure. There's a tremendous error rate in the voter registration rules. People that are looking at material compliance issues from New Mexico and Arizona to New York and Pennsylvania, they're all finding gross inaccuracies. As a co-author of the Help America Vote Act, have you observed material compliance with the act over the past 20 years? No, not at all. And the certifiers certify anyway. Now we come to the end of the show. The professor has clearly carried the day with our audience, but what about you, Chad? Do you believe our elections are safe and secure? To symbolize the choice you have to make, Mr. Faustus will present you with a black pill. Take the pill and you'll forget everything that transpired today. You'll have no worries over defective machines or rigged elections. You'll continue to receive your regularly scheduled programming. Reject the pill, however, and you'll have to live with the consequences of that choice. You'll have to face a world that is in chaos. Chad, will you break that feed? I'll never take that black pill. Someday when the war is finally won After all the damage has been done You will look around and have to ask yourself Did you wake up with the light?
Tell them it's not safe to be here. We need to uh, evacuate the building. You'll have to tabulate votes uh, with no observers while everyone else goes home. Everyone except Chad, you stay right there. Oh, and Chad, you heard the announcer, you rejected my black bill. Um, that means you have to live with the consequences. By your choice, you become a purveyor of malinformation. You are a threat to democracy, a threat to our narrative. Nurse, give him his medicine. Ouchie. Director Ray, we've got to dispose of these listless vessels. Take the professor far, far away from here. And um, we need you to put Chad with the other uh, domestic terrorists and um, uh, insurrectionists. Has anyone noticed that the election rigging Biden administration never goes after the riggers, but only after those that want to catch and expose the rigging dogs? They are rigging dogs. They are horrible cheaters and liars. When you get calls all hours of the night and have to constantly look over your shoulder every time you get off a plane or into a neighbor. Yeah, push me. Push me. We won't quit. Even if you kill me. I will come back and haunt you. You might walk up to someone's door who has a gun in your face, and they would do America proud to blow your brains out. They will never shut me up and kill me first. I have not yet begun to fight. The FBI came after me and took my phone and surrounded me at a Hardee's. If you arrest me, I can call my lawyer. But if you don't arrest me, I can't call my lawyer and you can steal my livelihood here. Eric Coomer did this directly to me. And I made one statement about him. Didn't say nothing for a whole year. Then you guys come up and serve me papers in Colorado. When you say lumpy pillows, now you're in You got that? They sued my pillow under the premise that I'm doing this to make my representing my pillow to make money for my pillow. As I'm getting canceled every day, retailers, shopping channels, just getting destroyed. This is a big lie. You're a lying lawyer. You're an evil, evil man. What exactly did you do wrong to be treated like a dangerous criminal by your government that you pay for? Well, we don't know because the warrant doesn't say. What well, we're considering here how to rewrite this so it's not gonna throw us all in jail. Who's threatening you with jail time? That's our point. I vote I under duress. I found out today that I have no choice but to vote I or I'll be arrested and charged with a felony. Former advisor Peter Navarro is at this hour in federal custody and about to make a court appearance. 
Already facing a dizzying crossroads of nearly unprecedented legal and political challenges, Donald Trump's trail of criminal indictments has grown longer. The Georgia case marking the fourth indictment of the ex-president since the end of March. Over the last few days, we have seen mugshots released as the 19 defendants in the Fulton County case have started turning themselves in for booking. We have never before had a mugshot of a United States president, current or former, but now we do. While today we are announcing charges against these 16 defendants, this remains an ongoing investigation, and our department has not ruled out potential charges against additional defendants. I look forward to presenting the evidence in court and to a swift, speedy, and deliberate resolution that best serves the interests of justice. I'm letting you know that as we get close to the end here, I would much rather treat your Mr. Lindbergh as a, as a witness as opposed to a suspect. I, I find it a bit offensive that you would think that this, this whole thing for me is politically motivated. Jeff Lindbergh served this country for 31 years with the highest national security clearances. So yeah, you can be offended, but I know the man and I know what you guys are putting in. Jake, can you hear me? Yes, Professor, good morning, brother. Hey, how are you doing? Just trying to uh, maintain the, the resolve around here and keep everybody moving forward with hope in their hearts. So I've been detained indefinitely nearly three years into my incarceration waiting for a trial. Um, and now they have started to arrest my star witnesses. You have one minute remaining. You know, like the Todd death march says out of the unit and I got thrown up against the wall, punched in the gut. It was an act of psychological warfare that you do to prisoners of war. We didn't know where we were going, why they were moving us. It was like the crack of dawn. Thank you for using Global Telling. Global Telling. Professor? The event's about ready to start. People are starting to show up. Is everything all right? Yeah, I'm fine. I was just daydreaming. Um, I'm ready to start whenever you want. All right, thanks. America, have you awakened? Do you see the new slave trade, where the slaver's whip was relinquished in favor of a computer program that can achieve the same outcome? Or the use of pain to silence a man's voice was merely replaced by distractions and an obsession with comfort and pleasure? America, we are at war, and half of you are still asleep and unaware of it. Now you might ask, do you have any hope, Mr. Unemployed Professor? I do. Not because of my efforts, but because I believe in a mighty God, and I believe in the American Patriot. So while our country is led by oath breakers, remind yourself that God is the ultimate covenant keeper. So here's where I end my small part in this very large drama. I offer these words of counsel. First, when a nation rebels against God and falls into decline, God has a condition that must be performed before restoration can occur, namely the repentance of that nation. Second, real restoration requires action 
from the church to do its part, especially in the satanic realm of politics, by always seeking a place of interposition to stand between godless tyrants and the victims of their tyranny with a willingness to sacrifice everything as Christ sacrificed for us. And the good news is that the historical actions of Abraham Lincoln, Moses, and the warrior Gideon have already shown us the way. America, here is your prescription. So I'd like to introduce you to Professor David Clements. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I think Abraham Lincoln was in a very similar time in history that we are now. He issued the Emancipation Proclamation. Now, no one would tell you that in 1863 that anyone was truly free. By faith, he proclaimed. He proclaimed a state of reality that had not yet occurred. But he saw real bondage, real chains. And there were so many laws on the books that made it okay to discipline your slaves, to whip your slaves. The nation was fractured and the divisions were deepening because the true church, the ecclesia, were also proclaiming in their own way that this is wrong. They took a step forward. They kept taking steps forward until we hit an inflection point a crisis that led us to war. So four months later, a lesser known proclamation went out from Lincoln. It was a day of national repentance, of prayer, of fasting, of humiliation, a day of humility. A lot of people don't know that that was one of the proclamations, but just 18 months later, after that proclamation, any national leader kept the covenant, God moved swiftly and a miraculous vote was achieved just 18 months later, which led to the abolishment of slavery. And unfortunately, sleepy Joe Biden can't make this work because he's not legitimate. He's a usurper. So I'm going to ask you all to pray and call on those that were robbed of their rightful places because of inaccurate weights and measures, because of divers' weights being applied to the scales of justice, that you pray, reach out to them any way that you can, and call them to set forth a day of national repentance. That means, yes, Donald Trump needs to be called. for this very, very specific, solemn occasion. 
But if he does, and if we fall through as a nation, you're going to see something that you've never seen before. Victory. Real victory. Not the fake thing that we've been seeing over the past 30 years. The veil's been torn. We see just how demonic our culture is. We see it. And now that we see it, and now that we see the chains, we see the machines, they see what we're doing to our children. Many of you are hopeless. Do not be hopeless. Just meet God's conditions. So I pray for that day where we have soon a national call for repentance. Now, this might be a controversial statement for some of you, but God is not in control. God is sovereign. But if God exercise his control right now in this moment, in this season, you would not have the cheating that you're seeing, usurpers taking hold of offices. In God's infinite wisdom, he established Christ as the head of his church and believers as the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet. He has delegated control to you. So everything that we see that we hate, it's not God's fault. It's my fault. It's your fault. It's the body's fault. You don't like stolen elections? Don't blame God. You don't like abortion? Don't you dare blame God. We have not done our part. In our country, we've established a representative democracy, a republic, which means that you all comprise what is known as we the people. And to be we the people, you have to be a people of self-governance, meaning you have to be masters of all affairs in your lives. And there is a place where you get to participate in this experiment. Moses did not part the Red Sea. God did. But Moses was an instrument. And what did Moses do time in and time out? He showed up to this place called the Gap. It's a place of interposition. It's a place where you will be hurt, where you will be slandered, where you will see lawfare if you've gotten the attention of the devil and the devil's into the slave trade, folks. But you stand there. That's what Moses did. He knew that God had a picture of freedom and slavery was incompatible with God's character. Pharaoh, on the other hand, believed in slavery. So Moses proclaimed to him, let my people go. And he had to say it more than once because he had to keep going back and standing in front of Pharaoh. So I want you to envision yourself as many Moseses showing up and confronting many Pharaohs. Now the good news is that God doesn't need everyone, which leads me to Gideon. Gideon had 
tens of thousands of warriors. They were inspired. They were ready to do battle. God said, if they see all of the might of your warriors, they're going to forget to do something, which is acknowledge me. Give me glory. So let's have a test. I want you to see how people drink water. How do your warriors drink water? Bring them to the river. Do they get down and lap the water like a dog? Or do they keep their eyes up? Do they keep situational awareness? Do they bring the water to their mouth? I can work with that kind of warrior. How many made the cut? 300. It was enough. So here, in your backyard, almost imagine as if you're looking over a map, you've got your county. Election workers, canvassing boards, clerks that have broken their trust with you, you will surround them. Can you find 300 of God's warriors surrounding the 10 feckless usurpers to show up and proclaim truth, fight for your kids, fight for their voices, fight for your own voice, and don't do so in incremental fashion. Do not die on the altar of civility, but become an abolitionist and stay there, expose them, and see your power. 300 against 10, I like those odds. And now think of 3,000 counties, 300 deep in every county, surrounding their feckless politicians. That's your red wave. It's you, you are the red wave, you are the Red Sea. God won't part it the way that he did before because he has delegated his authority to the body of Christ to move. And when you move, you are unstoppable. Please state your name. David Clements, slave. That's what I am to this system. And you're giving people two minutes to address a national crisis. I'm going to take the time because this is reporting a crime and the law enforcement actually needs to hear this. 70% of your constituents believe these issues are rigged. Sir, you're out of order. He, he, I'm not out of order. You're out of order. He finished an hour. He, he finished. Next speaker, please. Next speaker. Next speaker, please. I'm the next speaker. I'm going to render my time. We don't transfer time here. How many folks here will afford me more time? You've got about 30 minutes, I'd say. You are violating my civil rights. You are resisting. I'm not resisting. I'm just strong. This is a battle of good and evil. You can sit, you can sit as lords over us. And I hope that anybody that's running for a position um, in politics would, would get it through their heads that when they're elected, they're not gods over us. And there will come a day when you will sit before a higher judge. Every single one of us who's a poll worker right now is making fun of you. 
You cannot say that this went well. Those are lost votes. Now, Mr. Chairman, I watched you go through 17 proclamations, and you did not tell that they did not clap or participate. And you did not ask our First Amendment right. I hold you in contempt. Defund the machines. This is not a request. This is a statement that we expect you to carry out. We're done with this. It's over. No more. Jake, what did you use to perform the baptism? Baptisms were done with good old-fashioned sink water that's connected to the toilet. They want to give their whole heart over and hold nothing back from God and pour the water over their head and uh, go give them a big bear hug and everyone claps their hands and gives them a bunch of hugs and then they start their walk towards heaven. If Donald Trump's providential, aren't you providential? Ask yourself why you're here. We are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Christ conquered everything that you could ever be afraid of. He saved you for a place where there are no tears where there's joy, where there, there are no dominion machines, where the slave trader is out of business because Satan is the chief architect of that. And we've been told he's under our feet. Not only will we win, but I will spend the rest of whatever years I have 
on this earth with my wife, with my children, praising God. And I will do everything I can to keep the memory alive of what God did. And I will teach my son. I will teach my daughter. And I will lift them up and raise them in the Lord. And I will encourage them and admonish them. You better keep this alive. Keep the memory alive. Because I don't want to go back to hell. All that I have, all that I am, is yours, Lord, King, Jesus. You will not be able to contain the power that works through your life from that moment on. So be the Red Sea, meet God's conditions, and you will have the opportunity to declare, proclaim here and abroad. Let my people go. And now we'll do the roll call. So for those lives lost on January 6th, Ashley Babbitt, Roseanne Boylan, Kevin Greeson, Benjamin Phillips, and on the next day, Officer Brian Sicknick, rest in peace. Those detained, John Andres, Daniel Ball, Thomas Ballard, Roger Bow, Joe Biggs, Aiden Billiard, Matthew Bledsoe, Kenneth Bonowitz, Tim Bonner, Nicholas Brockoff, Larry Brock, Antoine Brodnax, Jeffrey Brown, Jeremy Brown, Alan Byerly, Daniel Caldwell, Matthew Caspel, William Cressman, Eric Christie, Lonnie Kaufman, Nolan Cook, Mason Corson, Nicholas DiCarlo, David Dempsey, Lucas Denny, Charles Donahoe, Israel Easterday, Robert Fairchild, Troy Faulkner, Brandon Fellows, Kyle Fitzsimmons, Mitchell Gardner, Robert Gieswein, James Grant, Matthew Green, Timothy Hale, Kenneth Harrelson, Joshua Haynes, Donald Hazard, Albuquerque Head, Andrew Hernandez, Brian Jackson, Shane Jenkins, Douglas Jensen, Justin Jersey, David Judd, Julian Qatar, Matthew Kroll, Jacob Lang, Nicholas Langeron, Samuel Lazar, Marcus Malley, Christian Manley, Cody Matisse, James Malt, Mark Mazza, Ronald McAbee, Patrick McAfee, James McGrew, David McAuffle, Sean McHugh, Jeffrey McKellop, Kelly Meggs, Jonathan Mellis, Garrett Miller, Matthew Miller, Jordan Meek, Robert Morse, Christopher Moynihan, Jonathan Menefo, Marshall Neath, Daryl Neely, Ethan Nordine, Nicholas Ox, Joseph Padilla, Robert Palmer, Dominic Pozzola, Mark Ponder, Christine Priola, Mahela Pryor, Chris Quaglin, Barry Ramey, Guy Reppet, Zach Real, William Reed, Stuart Rhodes, Howard Richardson, Thomas Robertson, Daniel Rodriguez, Moises Romero, Greg Rubernacker, Jerry Riles, Jeffrey Sable, Ryan Samsel, Robert Sanford, Ronald Sandlin, Salvador Sandoval, Troy Sargent, Peter Schwartz, Christian Secor, Hunter Seafried, Bart Shively, Jeffrey Sills, Glenn Simon, Charles Smith, Tommy Smith, 
Peter Steger, Andrew Taki, Enrique Tario, George Tenney, Devlin Thompson, Dustin Thompson, Jessica Watkins, William Watson, Matthew Webler, Thomas Webster, Jack Witten, Anthony Williams, Duke Wilson, Ricky Wilden, Kyle Young, and those we've lost to suicide, Christopher Georgia, Matthew Perna, and Mark Unks. Rest in peace. From an American, but leave it locked and loaded for the Taliban. Hey, Joe, where you going with that blood on your hands? I heard you say it, it was on the news. You're the president, the buck stops with you. Forget your job, what flavor ice cream is that? And hey Joe, where you going? Do you even know? Come on man, not a joke, here's the deal, the country's broke Check your watch, turn your back, set us up for the big attack. Hey, Joe, we did it. 81 million votes. Hey, Joe, so where you going with that gun in your hand? And hey, Joe. Where you going with all that blood on your hands? So, what do you want from all of this? I just want to go home. I want to be left alone. I don't want to do another podcast. I don't want to do another interview. I want a quiet life. And that's a good life. A life where I can go back to doing a profession or honest work, go to church, sit on my porch, read a book. That sounds like heaven. That's what I want. That's good enough. <laughs>